Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Sometimes a person comes along that just doesn't give it. Shut up, puppy. It's time for the Nuts of Steel Award. Gator, don't play no You hear? You feel me? On WAAF. Well, our, our winner of the Nuts of Steel Award is actually on the phone right now, live, and uh, his name is uh, Jean-Paul Lapierre. Am I saying that right, Mr. Lapierre? Yes, you are saying that correct. And, and where are you from, Jean-Paul? You're from, you're from the Boston area, right? I, I, I'm from Boston. I grew up in Springfield, Mass. Oh, you're from Springfield. Oh, yeah. I grew up in Springfield, Mass. Winchester Square, 16 acres. Oh, no wonder you're so damn tough. That's a tough <laughs> town, man. So you... you it's a tough town. <laughs> you you did something um, just unfathomable to me, and and uh, you were out in Chicago to run the Chicago Marathon. Is that something you do on a regular basis? It's, it's, it's really funny because I'm, I'm going to tell you a story that's really killing me right now, and it just came out. You probably see it online. There's a story right now that there's a gentleman. His name is Derek, I think Murphy or something. Derek something. He he runs what's called Marathon Investigations. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. what he does is he basically looks at people's numbers, he investigates times and everything. Now, if anybody who knows me, I've been I've been collecting running memorabilia and started approximately 15 years ago the mm. Boston Running Museum archives. Oh wow. I've taken all my loose change, spare money, whole paychecks and because what happened when I got into marathon running in 2000, I ran Boston unofficially, just jumped in like a bandit. Mm-hmm. And just so everyone knows, marathon running was born with bandits. Boston would have never survived in 1968. One third of the field were bandits. So there is nothing wrong with being a bandit. What there's something wrong with is taking people's medals, you know, taking medals and things like that. I usually buy people's numbers that don't want to run or are sick. I buy them online, and then I usually buy my medal, you know, on eBay or you know, like that or hmm. from someone. Okay. okay. So anyway, so this gentleman, he saw that I had said that I've run twelve New York, uh, twelve Chicago marathons in a row, twenty Boston marathons in a row, and eleven. Uh, or 12 Chicago's in a row now and 11 New York's in a row and 20 Boston's. So this, and I take video photographs. I've run most of these with many people beside me who've run for 11 years. Some of these people have run with me, these marathons. So I have plenty of people who know, um, people who know me know that I tell them out front, I'm a bandit. I, I'm not ashamed of it. I, I tell because what I do with all my other money, I'm spending money to buy memorabilia that I could post online to show people to bring to different running expos. I'm trying to, to I, I basically went out to the, the Distance Running Hall of Fame in Utica, New York. 15 years ago, I looked at what they had for stuff. It was a terrible display. And I called my brother. I started complaining to him. I said, hey, you know, I went to see the display. Nothing historical. Everything's kind of new kind of looking stuff. My brother said, don't. 
don't be a person that complains. Instead of being a complainer, do something about it. Don't be somebody that just complains. Mm. So I went out, I started putting a running memorabilia collection together. You remember Johnny Kelly, the old yeah. man? Oh, yeah. I yeah. have Johnny's best stuff. I have, I've, I have stuff that, I'll give you another example. There was a runner named Deerfoot. Deerfoot was a great runner back in the mm-hmm. 1860s. Now, if you Google Deerfoot Indian runner or Deerfoot Seneca Indian, up's going to come up Wikipedia. And on that Wikipedia is going to be a picture, and it's going to say the only known photograph of Deerfoot. Okay. Through my investigations, I was able to locate an auction that was going on in England that I ended up buying a photograph of an Indian that nobody knew who it was that was a photograph from 1860 that was taken at the same seating of the same person, the same Indian. So the same type of investigation this guy's doing, I'm doing on a different level for historical reasons to save the history of running because really – we don't have like a baseball hall of fame with that kind of stuff. Right, right. This well, let me let, let Jean Paul, Jean Paul. Yeah. So what's the what are they trying to do to you? Are they trying to get you arrested or something like that? This guy's trying to give me like like as if he just discovered that I'm a bandit runner. Uh-huh. And and the thing is is it hasn't been a secret. It's been people who know me, people for 15 years, it's been on my okay. website. It, everyone knows I'm right. a bandit runner, but I love running and right. I go to these races as an MC, I'm not there to set a record. I'm not there to You're win. You're just there to run medal. it because you I'm love running. I'm there to run, right. to be with other people. Okay. If I see somebody having a hard time, I give them advice. All right, let's That's let's talk it. about let's talk about what happened in Chicago this past. Was it this past weekend? Is that yeah, when this happened? Yes, sir. So you're out there to run the Chicago Marathon. You're taking the train. Uh, you find yeah. out there's somebody on the train robbing people. Yeah, and he was going quietly, going person by person. It appeared from a distance that he was just bumming change person to person, but he was systematically going person to person and going so that when he walked past them, now they, they, so they were just looking straight. They didn't you know, so you couldn't really tell that somebody was robbed unless you were closely watching. Mm-hmm. So these guys come off the, you know, I get on the train, I'm in the very back of the last car with talking to a bunch of runners, the train comes to up to Cumberland stop all of a sudden, everybody I'm talking to, they just abruptly get off the train and I'm standing, sitting in the tra- chair by myself. So I get off the train. I'm like, hey, uh, we got four more stops to go. Are you guys first time doing this? And they're like, no, there's a guy on the train with a gun. I was like, what's he doing? What do you mean a gun? He goes, he goes no, it's that guy over there. He's, he's way in the trip, big guy. So just as I was about to look back in the train, this guy comes out the door of the front end of the train and starts to walk you know, with his back to us towards the next car to get into that car. I started to run after thinking I was just going to tackle him right there on the platform, but then he took the sharp right into the, to the back door of the train in front of us, and then he walked up the aisle. When I got to the, I had already gotten right to, because I was already already moving. I got to the door. He was already now near the front of that train, and then I I figured there was a distance of around fifteen steps. I knew that I could do the fifteen steps in about three seconds, and that I could do it quietly because I run. When I run, I wear a, a how do I say? I take the insoles and mm-hmm. everything. So I'm a, what's called a minimalist okay. runner. So he didn't so, see you coming. He didn't see me coming. Oh, okay. No, he didn't see me coming. So, so what did you do when you got to him? But when I got to him, just as I got up to him, I was about a foot and a half from him. He saw me turn and was like a little sideways to me. And then I yelled, give me the goddamn gun. And I, I think it startled him. His first reaction was to hide the gun. It was in his right hand. So he kind of pulled it in front of him. When he turned to pull it in front of him, that's then he his shoulder, his left shoulder started to come towards me. I pushed him up against it gave me an angle to push him up against the door. And then I just put all my weight on his like on his back. 
because um, he was a tall, tall guy. So I figured I'll just put him where he's going to break easier. One second, one second. Uh-oh. Were, you, were we just put on hold? Is he a Dunks or something? I don't know. And so anyways, yeah, no, yeah. So anyways, so okay. he, he ended up um, uh, folding a little bit that way, and then and then I I I had my body up against his from behind, and yeah. then so I I ran my arm up and could feel the gun grabbed it out of it. It was like a pocket, and his hand was grabbing at the same time I was, but I was able to get my fingers around it better than his. Squeezed his hand in the process, and then got the hand out of there. Uh, so you had at that point. Out, at that point, you had the gun in your hand. I had the gun in my hand when I I had full control of the gun. Okay. Okay. Every, and just and this is what I was trying to explain to people too. When you look at the video, this people don't realize this is going to come out later in the trial. When you look at the video, you could see me holding him with my left hand, and I'm pointing and screaming down the end of the tree. Yeah. Do you re- now yeah. he, if you look at when I'm screaming. He's screaming too. Yeah, he's screaming at three guys to shoot me. He's scre- they're but they're not doing them. anything, right? They're not. Huh? Did they? Did they approach you? Did they come yeah, up to they you? Were, they were trying to come down the train line, but there was a woman that I don't know if she was with them or what. What it appears to be was either a they were all together, mm-hmm. or, or the a woman. They thought it was a racial thing going on, so they thought they were coming to the rescue of this guy. When in actuality, I don't know if they knew that he was robbing people. All they see is me, you know, holding this guy against right. the wall, you know. Right. So they were, but the thing was, was that he's screaming to them, don't leave me here. And they're screaming back, I'll shoot him. I'm going to shoot him. I, I can get him from here. I can get him from here. And they're like communicating back and forth. So, and then I'm screaming. So at that point, the gun was already, I had already gotten the gun out of the tree. Yeah, I saw the gun in back. your hand. Yeah. The yeah. gun was now out of my hand. So I, so I screamed, if. I, I put my right hand into my pocket where I had my Walkman radio, and I, I pointed the, the pocket in my hand toward him, and I screamed at them, if you shoot me, I'm going to shoot him, and then you. And we're screaming back and forth. Jeez. These guys are trying to come past the woman that was in front of me that was, like, with them. Right. They ended up becoming frustrated. They ran back out of the train and tried to come around to be exactly next to me in that door. But well, did anybody but, on the train try to help you? Anybody else? The only person that hurt me was when I when I turned with the gun. I'm trying to look to put the safety on, but the way the the, the gun usually the safety would have been on the the left side of the gun, and so I was trying to hold the gun firmly, but yet still use my thumb to put the safety. But the, I couldn't feel the safety, and I'm trying to look if I was not putting my hand in the right spot. At the same time, trying to keep an eye on him. I come to the realization after that the safety was on the trigger. Oh, okay. Now, listen, when the cops find, how long did it take the cops to get there? Uh, it was, they responded in about six to seven minutes, but it was the longest seven minutes. Yeah, of I'm my sure. Life. Now, what did they say to you when, when they got there? When they came, by the time they, by the time, well, when I had, once I put my shirt in the thing and I, and, and I, and I was yelling at him, don't move, I'm going to shoot you. And, and cause I didn't have no weapon at this point. Um, they, how do I say then, um, oh, gosh, I'm a little confused back here. Okay, so then they started, um, how do I say it? When they, how do I say it? Uh, no, what are, the, are you talking about the cops? Did okay, they, the did... guy, right, okay, so then after, after, after he, the guy, when I put my hand on the thing and I said I got the gun there, the guy screamed, he's got a gun. Then everybody exited the train. Jesus. Now I'm on the train alone with him. And, and and he's now trying to like move slowly toward the other end of the car. 
So I kind of move a little bit slowly with him because I was waiting for him to see what he was going to try to do. Now the car was empty. Now I knew I could beat the hell out of him because mm-hmm. there was nobody around. Right. He didn't have any weapon. I knew I could take him if I had to. And I, and I, okay. and I felt how much control I had over him the first time I grabbed him with my left hand and kind of shoved him on the other side of the door. I could feel how, how, how much strength that I had against him. You know, so it was like you know, like a rag doll almost. I had so much okay. adrenaline. I was so, so angry. So what... <laughs> I mean, the first thing I thought was, are you out of your mind? Why would you go? Everyone else is running away from this guy with a gun, but you went after him. What? What's? I I I, I, I don't know what it is. I, I I just like things like I I don't know what it is. I, I I don't. You know, it's what I try to tell everybody is. I believe that you know. I, I've always tried to figure this out. And what it comes down to is this: there's a thing that a colonel, Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, uh, spoke about this, and he says, in life, there's three kinds of people. You have sheep. You have your wolves and you have your sheepdogs. And the sheep are people that are, are, are not, not, don't have a capacity for violence. They're, they're um, law-abiding mm-hmm. citizens who are productive in society. Then you have your wolves who are sociopaths who prey on the sheep. Mm-hmm. And then you have your sheepdogs who are people who, are people who have and the, you're the, the dog. capacity. Yeah, who have the capacity for violence but have empathy for right. their fellow citizens. Well, that was... And then you went on and you ran the marathon. And then I went and ran my marathon. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> you ran 26 miles. Well, yeah. that's unbelievable. Jean-Paul, that's an unbelievable yeah. story, I man. Back, then I went back to the airport, slept on the ground again, and then went home. Yeah. <laughs> an eventful weekend. Well, that's that's a pretty amazing story, man. That's why you're getting our Nuts yeah. of Steel award. And uh, and you're from now, Boston? Is that what you said? an actual award? Will it be a trophy? Do I actually get a physical award with it? Not really. We just say that, you know. But I can find some Nuts of Steel to send to you, I guess. There you go. I'd like right. that. That'd be cool. All right. Well, Jean-Paul, thanks for uh, thanks for calling in to us. We appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I love you guys. Job well done, man, I guess. And, I mean, I'd never do something like that, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, thank- you never know what you do if you have to. You, right. you, you never know. Right. All right. Well, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate you checking okay. in with us. Thank you, buddy. All right. There's Jean-Paul Lapierre who who disarmed a man on the train in and Chicago. And thought to look for the safety. And thought- I would not be like, where's the safety no, on this? <laughs> no idea. And obviously he's a marathon runner because he did not take one breath during that entire Lots interview. Lots of energy. Unbelievable lung power. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.